today we are kind of closing up the, the, last, the teaching part of a series called All Due Respect, and, and, uh, and we've been learning this one central truth that Christians are called to treat people right, not to be right. Christians are called to treat people right, not to be right. And there are times where we have to draw the line. There are times that we have to contend for things. There are times that we have to uh, really fight in, in, for the things that God would honor and value. Uh, but no matter what we talk about, no matter what line we, 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 we do draw, we do always have to treat people right, no matter what. And, and so this whole series, we've been, we've been engaging uh, that conversation. And, and uh, what, I, what I love about this, the reason why I planned the series this way is, is I didn't want to talk about it, it coming out of or going into a major election season, because I want us all to be pros when the election season comes, right? Everyone's freaking out, losing their mind, and you're like, I'm fine. I'm good, because I love Jesus, and he's changing me to become a respectful person. And, uh, and so I want us to be prepared for that. Um, and I also didn't plan for like, you know, the whole country to freak out over the last couple of weeks over a bunch of different uh, bills and things that have been going on. And, uh, and so you've all been practicing that, and I love that. You guys are all becoming perfect people of respect. I love that. I'm not, not watching people lose their brains, lose their minds on Facebook. Everyone's still friends with family members, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we're that good at it. Um, we're all going to love the 4th of July and not avoid our family. Um, uh, or whatever the case is. But we want to talk about these things because right now the world is polarized. And it's polarized off the things that aren't the Jesus way. And, and the Jesus way invites us into a way of loving and treating and honoring people always, way before our viewpoints on politics, way before our viewpoints on the, on the different parts of our life, way before any of that stuff. He says, I want you to love people. I want you to respect people and honor people. And so, so there is, though, one, one fight that the Bible talks about that you should absolutely fight over each other, fight each other over. You should, you should like, central to your life, you should fight someone else over this and make it so, like, such a major part of your life. This fight should be so important to you um, that it really should permeate every part of your life. Does anyone know what that fight is? It's honor. It's honor. We should honor other people so much so that it's like we're outdoing each other and showing honor. This is what Romans 12 has to say about it. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly and sisterly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And later in, verse, in chapter 13, it says, pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. I can feel the blessing come in from the stage on that one, right? Um, taxes to whom taxes are revenue, to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. He says we should be showing people honor. And we should be outdoing each other and showing honor. Honor is a little bit different than respect. It's this way. Honor, honor uh, according to the scriptures, is to count the cost or the price of. It's gracious recognition that ascribes worth to someone. So respect uh, respect actually like values the inherent worth inside of somebody. It's recognizing that they have inherent worth and value according to their, the image of God that was placed inside of them at creation. That's respect. You're respecting that. And then honor is when, kind of almost like when respect runs out or respect isn't very high, or you're not feeling that, honor is when you're actually placing that value onto somebody else. It's to, if respect is to look at again, remember we talked about that, that last week, respect, re-look at. I want you to look at it again, and I want you to inherent, see the inherent worth and value in that other person 
regardless of their viewpoint, regardless of their past, regardless of their background, regardless of who they are, I want you to see that in them and then honor them. I want you to like hang the wreath on their neck. I want you to see and place value through your activity on them. Are we tracking so far? So honor, we have to honor. We have to, to count the cost of the person, of their role or of their life. We have to count the price. We have to ascribe worth to people. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We are ascribing worth. Now, this Greek word, uh, teme, is found in multiple different passages, um, but, but it's uniquely tied together by this one idea that how we honor others expresses how we honor God. Are we, are we, are we, are we tracking on that so far? How we honor others expresses our honor for God, meaning they're, they're like intimately linked our honor externally for our brother and sister and our honor for God are connected. How we honor people, how we ascribe worth and value challenges all of our pride, all of our judgment, all of our security. That's what we think is based off ourselves, based off our background, based off our socioeconomics, all of that stuff that, that infrastructures our life. We lay all of that at the foot of the cross and in the name of Jesus, we honor people because that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. His invitation to follow the way of Jesus is to be a, have a life of honor. Have a life of honor. So the Greek word to me is actually found, it, it calls specific people out. It's found in different references to different groups of people all throughout the Bible. And so when you find this word, you can say, okay, it talks about honoring this group, and it talks about honoring this person, and it talks about honoring this type of person. And so what I want to talk about real fast is who they are and how do we honor them. Who are the people we, we should honor, and how do we honor them? And so the first person that ever, the Bible talks about this like hundreds of times is God. Revelation chapter 4. Uh, says this, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you are created, for you created all things and they exist because you created what you please. Revelation, Revelation chapter four and five talks about this cosmic worship gathering that's happening all of the time. And as we honor God, we are actually joining in with all of creation and praise and glory to God. So there is a cosmic worship gathering always happening, and God welcomes us into that activity so that we can begin to see the power and ascribe the worth in our own life. We are changed. The more we honor and the more we lift God high, we realize our relationship to him and fall underneath him, and we get the joy. We see our whole life change when we see, understand that God is to be honored above all People, are we good on that, right? You're like, of course, it's church. Of course, we should be talking about that. But it's, it's so true. The more we honor, the more we glorify God, the more we're changed. So the second group of people that he talks about, the Bible talks about is, is others. And so, which pretty much at this point sums up everybody, right? <laughs> it sums up everybody. 1 Corinthians 7 says this, God paid a high price for you. That's the word, to me. That's the, God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved to the world. When we honor others, we are considering the price that their life is worth. God, above all, like of all people, could have stayed where he was. He comes to earth and tells everybody that you are worth dying for. Every person you lock eyes with, 
Every person that you know about, every person the news talks about has a life that's worth dying for. That's the central message of Jesus. He's for you. He loves you. You have a high price on your life. The only person that could have paid the entire price was Jesus through his death on the cross and his resurrection to defeat that death so that you could be connected with him in relationship forever. And so we have to see the price that God has placed on every single person, honoring that cost on the other person's life. That should be the first knee-jerk reaction out of the heart that's changed by Christ. So the third, third group of people that we talked about is parents. Ephesians 6 says this, um, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Now, at this stage, are there any age parameters on this scripture verse? No, right? Because if you are a child and you have a parent, you should honor them. That's the, the whole, and last time I checked, that's how biology worked. We all have one of those, right? And whether they are with us or they aren't, we have to honor. Now, that brings out all sorts of funny feelings and, and weird little interactions, but, but honoring is lifting, ascribing worth to them and seeing that value. And this is what it says. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6 and Exodus 20. He's saying, you know what? If you do all of this, I don't know how this works. But when you have this type of honor and it exists within you, things go well for you. And you have a long life. And things feel full. Because I think you know the difference between having a a family that's connected, but having family that's disconnected through some sort of an issue. You know that the pain that that brings, whether or not you're aware of it or not. He says, but you should honor them. You should work towards honoring your mother and your father. Jesus even did this. Luke chapter 2 says this, Jesus returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. He was talking about Mary and Joseph. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. I just think it, it sums up parenting perfectly because all of life, as you're watching your heart walk around outside of your body, you're just storing all these things in your heart and it changes you and shapes you. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. Of Jesus, the creator of the universe, by him, through him, for him, all things are created. On his, in his life on earth, obeyed his parents and grew in wisdom and stature and favor because of it. We talk about the second one. Sometimes we don't talk about the first one, but they're intricately, intricately, in, they're linked. Okay, um, just forget it, forget it. <laughs> they're linked. Um, so Luke 2 says that. There's this fourth group of people. Now, this one's going to bless everyone, right? The fourth group of people you should honor is authority. Authority. Now, when we read this passage, everyone's going to feel the spirit on them, and they're going to love it. They're going to love it, and they're going to feel blessed, and you're going to etch it on every pillow on your couch. And it says this, Romans 13 says, everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right and they will honor you. And so it's, that's both hands. Submit and honor 
connecting there. So this is the passage I quote to myself when a cop pulls out behind me um, and I'm driving. I'm like, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong, right? And okay, so, so but here's the thing. This, is, this, this passage is kind of awkward, right? Especially in a day like today, especially when you think of all the leaders that have ever existed in the world, think just pure evil that has come out of certain leaders. And, and so this is one that we wrestle with. This is one that we trust, that somehow in God's providence, he's working for the good of those that, are, uh, that, are, that love him. And, and in that message, we're sitting, uh, sitting in trust here. This is not a passage that our political party should quote whenever the president makes it in there, right? This is something that God intricately connects. I got it that time. Intricately connects in us that we trust. In his providence, he's working things for good. But there is a truth there. In our normal day-to-day action as followers of Christ, we are, are understanding that there is an authority, that there are authority structures. It's not just government, but it's also structures in our life. It's structures at work. It's structures at church. It's structures in your family. It's structures in your, in your life that God has literally placed these little limits. And when we, can t- when we can live in those limits and aren't pushing against it to the left or the right or going too fast or going too slow, that we live within those limits that he's established, we're able to experience a full life that Jesus promised us as we follow him. So he says, I want you to submit well. It's not just to these, not just to the government, but to governing authorities. If we learn as people to submit well and we learn how to honor well, we will also receive honor and relationships will be good and healthy and right. Now, sometimes there are things that create legitimate reasons why we should separate from relationships. And those are special in and of themselves and we should seek reconciliation and all of that. So we should not allow abuse to perpetuate. We should draw lines at certain points certain places, but the the, the posture of our heart and the structures that we find ourselves should be that of honor the people around us. We should outdo one another in honor. The last group of people that specifically points this out is the marginalized. 1 Corinthians 12 says it this way, the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. I love that. Love that passage. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. Now listen, can I be your pastor for a second? You're like, great, because you are, so let's figure that one out. Um, there are groups of people that are marginalized in cultures. Like, can we agree on that? Like, is that a good baseline? Just, just they're kind of pushed to the side. Um, just natural things that happen. And, uh, and there, there are people that are working to fix that in different ways, right? And they're trying to figure that out. And they said, but, the, but 1 Corinthians 12 says that the way the, the, that a Christian is organized, the way that they are ordered is, pay att- is to pay attention to those, un- the, the, those groups of people that are lacking in dignity in the culture. Like, that is a posture of our heart that, so that when we see and hear and engage with groups of people like that, we should not first consider the politics. That's not what that says. It says everything will go well if you first consider your, your party's specific politic when it comes to that group of people. That's not what it says. It says, care for those who lack the dignity. 
And now I don't know what that does, but for me, there are specific groups, specific groups of people that I often will just cast off. I will not even think of. My bias is so strong that I don't even engage with them. It like, doesn't produce anything in me. And I have to repent of that because there are people who lack dignity that God does actually say we should care for. When we treat people right, this is one of the biggest things I think in many of our, in many of our culture, in most of our culture today, that we could actually, if we did this right, things would begin to change. One specific thing that, I've, that I often see in, in, many of, uh, in many of the politics today is the whole, idea, the whole illegal immigration con- conversation is really, really like hot, in many, like always, right? Regardless of what you think about the, the organization of how to handle that, calling someone an illegal is dishonoring, right? So that's just one application of this. There's many applications of it. But if you call someone according to their status, then you're saying that their status isn't of inherent worth and value to God. Are we tracking that? So calling them something like that is dishonoring in and of itself. So when we can honor the marginalized when we can honor groups of people that are continuing to, to fight for the different things that they do, we can see things change. Our heart will change towards the situation. Our hearts will change towards that. So regardless of what you think about the politics, look, I know everyone's like, oh, wait a second, no, no, no. No matter what you think, the people are still people. Can we, can we agree on that? Can we just agree on that? They're people. There's a whole lot of stuff that's just fuzzy and gray or not, regardless of wherever you're at in that situation, but they're people, and they have inherent worth and value first by God. And then we talk about the situation after that. Are we tracking today? All right, still like me? Can I stay? All right, great, awesome. Um, So how do we honor these groups of people? How do we honor these groups of people? The Bible, um, just right from Romans 12 and 13, the, the passage that we read, if we look at that again, talks about it this way. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly and sisterly affection. Now do one another in showing honor. Pay, all to those, pay, pay, pay to all what is owed to them. And so just three quick things on how we can honor people well. The first one is to hold the good. Hold the good. Abhor what is evil, right? So the word abhor in, 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 in Greek is a, is a disgust for evil. And holding fast is actually what the, the text says in Greek is like a cleaving, which is like sexual intimacy is what the, the word means, right? So we have to have a close intimate connection with good and disgust for evil. And there's many things that we, the social issues that we need to just disgust be disgusted about and, and, and be disconnected from. But there are many more things that are good, right? This will revolutionize your marriage, revolutionize the way you interact with people in social media. This will change the way that you see people because when you hold to what is good, you have to fight for values that you share. You have to engage with them on a, on a, on a level that's that's, that's, that's has more in common than things that are disconnected. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago where, where we uh, just as people in relationships, we have a tendency to either put a halo on somebody or a set of horns on somebody. And when you hold fast to the good, you're saying, I'm, gonna not, I'm not going to put the horns on you. I'm going to hold fast to what is good with you. Well, I'm not going to put the halo on you just where everything's perfect and, and, and fairy ish but I'm going to hold fast to what is good. And when you do that, you are decluttering your soul. 
you are decluttering your soul. We have a tendency as people to hold fast to the evil, and we, we look at people through that lens, but Jesus is saying, hey, well, what if we looked at them through the good that they are? What if we fought for that? What if the people that we engage with actually felt that from us? Hold to what is good. Share the values that you have. If you disagree on a topic, that's fine. Disagree with them. They're not evil. They're not evil, regardless of whether or not they are a Republican or a Democrat, right? But you say all the time, oh, those are evil people. Are they, though? They just, they are they? Hold fast to what is good. Hold fast to that. Be intricately connected to the good so that you can honor that and have it naturally flow from a heart that's been changed by Christ. So we have to hold to the good. Second thing we have to do is we have to genuinely love. It says, let, let, like, love other people with a brotherly and sisterly affection. I just want to dive in a little bit on this. And what does it mean to actually genuinely love somebody? It's, it's this. We love someone when we promote their good for their own sake. It's not connected to our pride or our image. Our, everything is we love them for their, it's at, it's at our expense that they are lifted up. It's that, that's when we're most like Jesus, if we love other people. So much so that he says that everyone's worth dying for. We empty ourselves out for the sake of the other. That's, that's love. When, when you're not doing it for what you can get out of it, but you're doing it for their own sake, you're seeing this genuineness take place. The Bible talks about four mo- movements of love in 1 John 3 and 4. I'm not going to read all the texts, but I'll talk through the movements. You can look at the text uh, this week. But it says this, that first, right, God loves us. We can love others because God first loved us. And then we return to love by when, when we love God. We, we are healed by that love that God gives us no matter what, no matter what, no matter what we've done, no matter what like, situations that we've come out of. We are loved by God and we can love him. That heals us and changes us and transforms us. And there's only one direction for that new relationship and that healing to go, and that's to go out. It's, to, it's like it's a cup, and it's filling up, and it spills over. And when that happens, we begin to love other people, not from our own strength, but from a healed soul and spirit that's changed by Christ. And so it's a supernatural type of, of joy and expression that, that, we can, that we can begin to experience. So we love others this way. And then this magical thing happens when we become really good at loving others, they love us back. And we experience that. Many times, though, we struggle with the, the, like the filter because we forget that God loves us and we begin to try to earn his attention or earn his love. And that's not necessary. That's not what's needed. And when we do that, we, we actually begin to, to take love from others because, because we have to feel more whole and more connected and more, 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 and, and more holistic ourselves. And so others loving us, we actually will limit that because not, no one likes to feel manipulated or feel like they're drained every time they're around us. But when we begin to be healed by the love of God, we can have a freedom to love other people. They can be their own person. You can be your own person. And there's a healthy relationship that connects the two. It helps you stay engaged with them as people. And then others begin to love you well. And so when you see this type of interchange, you can look at, at your life. And so I would, I would encourage you to evaluate your relationships this week to say, is there, do I have a healthy group of people around me that, that, will, that will experience love from me and I can experience love from them? 
And am I personally or intentionally pursuing other people that I can love, that I can pour out my life and to share uh, this love that I, I've been healed by from God? And so this love changes everything. And, and so, but then this great verse that everyone has like, heard at every wedding um, ever is, is this in 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, love is patient. So we begin to see what love looks like practically. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. I love that part, right? Like sometimes you have just like a low-grade irritation in life. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And so a couple of just uh, things to, to encourage you in this. One is, is in your chair time this week and whenever you're spending time with the Lord is pull the word love out and put your name in here. Pull the word love out and put your name in here. So Brandon is patient. You know, all of a sudden it becomes a little bit different. Brandon is kind. Brandon is not jealous. Uh, guys, I'm trying. Leave me alone. It's, 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 it's hard. Uh, Brandon is boastful or proud or rude. And, and you begin to see there's like a practicality here. And we can see really how, how much has God really changed us and shaped us in love. The other thing we tend to do when we look at this text is we look at all the knots. You know, I have to not be jealous. I have to not be rude. We, we kind of look at it in a, uh, like a lacking sort of a way. But really, the positive statements are the ones that make the, the, the negative statements possible not to do. So love is patient and kind. That's the act, these are the active and inactive uh, forces of love. Um, love is is inactive, but it's love that can help you see. Patience is love that can help you see. And, and then kindness is active, and it's love that can help you act, right? So if you are patient and kind, you are actually welcomed into a life, and you'll begin to experience a life free of being boastful, free of being irritated, free of being, uh, of, of being rude or jealous or prideful. You'll begin to experience all of a life that, that Paul says is, is that love isn't simply because we are being shaped into the type of person that expresses what love is. And so we have patience and we have kindness. People who are patient and kind, they just have better relationships, don't they? They just have better, they're better relationally. They're better connected with people, with the culture. They can serve better because you're being patient, you're being kind. So, so we have to ask the Lord to shape patience within us. And isn't that like the best prayer in the world? God, help me be a patient person, right? I, I, so I was prepping for this this week, and I said, God, you know, help me, you know, help my patience. You know, that's probably a good prayer to pray. And literally all week, I got stuck behind student drivers. Can I guess, can I, can I hear, can I, can I, can I get an amen, right? All week, I got I probably seven, I started like noticing it by Thursday. I was like, okay, I got you. I got you, I got you, I got you. You know, like they, the student drivers do that whole like stop and roll, then stop. And you're like, for the love of God, can you just go, please? Like, seriously. Like, all right, okay, God. All right, all right, help me see, help me see. Um, I, was, I was walking around Providence on, on Saturday night and I just, um, I just was, I was asking God to help me see, help me see different. You know, I didn't have my phone and it wasn't checking things. I just was walking around. God, help me see. God, help me see people differently. Help me see this culture differently. Help me see this reality differently. And Saturday night at 7 o'clock, Providence is, not, is a weird place. And so, you know, God, help me see differently. You know, help me see differently. 
Patience is a, is a marvel. So, so this week, maybe, maybe take some trips without your phone so you're not tempted to, to, to look away from what you're seeing. Um, maybe drive the speed limit, right, like this week. And it's, it's amazing, like, like if you have a, ten, I have a tendency to drive over the speed limit. Um, I'll just confess my sin in front of the entire church today. Um, but when I go when, to slow down to the limit, actually produces a slowness in us. Um, and it's, it'll, it'll you know, change your life if you, if you have a tendency to do that. Um, and so you have a, a patience that, that, that builds within. It helps you see differently. helps you engage differently. Um, kindness is, is the one that helps you pour out. Like you begin to be a kinder person. You do kind things. Engage with the world in kind ways. Do things that are outside of your routine, outside of your schedule. Things that actually interrupt who you are so that you can be kind to somebody. And that's all possible because Jesus has shaped us, changed us. He loved us first, and we're free to love others because we're loving from a place of wholeness and stillness. Jesus, his whole life, his faith, his hope, his love, his joy, his peace was all rested in the the person of his father. Um, Dallas Willard is one of my favorite kind of, not mentors, he's one of my favorite authors. I read all of his stuff. And one thing, he says one time, um, he said one time, what is, is, um, if there's one word you could describe Jesus with, uh, what would it be? And a lot of people are, you know, it's all powerful. He's loving. He's gracious. He's, he's one of many things. He's kind of omnipotent, he's, and he's, he's all over the place. You know, so these, these different ways of describing him, the way that Dallas Willard always explains Jesus is the one word is relaxed. He's relaxed because he's not vying for attention. He's not completely insecure. He's not looking for ways to feel love. He's just at home and at rest with God the Father in such a way that he's able to be present with people, able to love people well. Many times you see thousands of people are joining to to hear him teach. And what he does, he leaves, he he goes away, and he prays. You see he's not connected to that attention. He's just relaxed. He's at peace. He's at rest. And so love, being the type of person that's patient and kind puts pressure on really where we get value from so that we can ultimately ascribe value to others, to genuinely love them for their own sake, promote them for their own sake instead of our own. And so lastly, the third thing that Romans 13 talks about, we have to honor people by acknowledging position. It says, like, pay, to those, pay, pay honor to those that is owed to them. Like, like this is an, a, a transactional type of honoring. It's, it's like in those moments when honor really isn't, like honor is really not coming from you. You know, you know, like there are people you just don't respect, right? Like you just don't respect certain people. Let's just, let's be human about it. And it's hard to really see their value or to actually pay value to them. But the scriptures teach it's owed to them. Maybe their position, their authority in your life creates that, that relationship where it's simply owed to them. So maybe instead of uh, you know, really complaining about your boss, you're, you're like, oh, I'm going to spend my time trying to give them worth and value. And you'll see your relationships change. I'm going to do that to my, my mother or to my father or maybe to my mother-in-law or father-in-law. I'm going to do that to uh, people in my life that, 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 are, that are my colleagues and people that are you know, next to me. I'm going to acknowledge their position. And although I have a hard time 
emoting respect or emoting honor, the Bible says it's owed to them. And so I'm going to do it. And I'm going to ask God for empowerment and a heart that would do that. Honor is central to who we are. Honor is central to to this whole understanding of following Jesus. He invites us to be people of honor. And he says, man, if you would do that, things would change. The culture would change. The region would be different. And so before the election season comes, I want community covenant. I want us to be people of honor. When we engage in these really sensitive topics, I want us to be people of respect. When we start to lose our minds because things are not the way that we see them, I want us to remember that the way of Jesus invites us to be people that love, that be people of pursuit, that be people that fight for their relationships. I want us to see that the Bible doesn't end conversations, it starts conversations. We don't use the Bible as power, we use the Bible as service. We begin to engage culture not through telling everyone how right we are, but by treating everyone with the rightness they deserve. Our culture today is completely polarized, right? Like, we know this. Our culture experiences polarity, experiences this, 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 these, these viewpoints that are just completely separating. And the way of Jesus is always to go down, right down the center, and instead of stopping at politics, to fight for the person. All of us around the entire world, we are experiencing the result of, of, of mass marketing. Like literally, people are paying for your likes, they're paying for your eyes, they're paying for your views, and so that they can continue to reinforce that because they know that the more and more outraged you become, the more and more engaged you become, the more and more right you think you are, the more money they make. That's not good news, but the good news of the gospel is that we can engage all of it, we can lay all of that down for the sake of the people that we pursue. What it means to be people of honor, what we need to fight for, we need to be shaped for, is not for pursuing all the different systems that we think the world should be organized by, but by fighting for the person that Jesus died for. We need to fight for them and serve them and engage them, and we have to love. Love is our highest call. We should never, ever let a viewpoint or a conviction that we have lead us to treat people less. They should always be receiving the the, the energy of the love that we've received. You want to love people well. Remember that you've been loved by God. God has loved you well, and he's healed you, and he's changed you, and shaped you. For many of you, he's healed your entire family, going back generations. And we sacrifice all of that when we pursue politics before people. And so people need to be our primary objective. They need to be our primary goal. They need to be our primary love so that we can be people that honor God by honoring other people. Jesus begs us all throughout the Bible to see him as someone who's for him. And then he says, you know what? I want you to love others in the same way. Be a person of honor. Don't stereotype. Don't look at other people for what they can give you, but look at other people for what you can give to them. Outdo each other in showing honor. Be a person of humility. 
one that sees the lowliness of Jesus and exemplifies the same character and allow a whole new way of life to be birthed in the midst of this one because you are a conduit of the love of God into every realm.